You are Locked On Padres. Your daily San Diego Padres podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Lockdown Padres Podcast, which is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day for Monday, June 13th. As always, I am your host with sometimes occasionally, but certainly not always the most, Javier Reyes. You can find me on Twitter at Javapeno, as always, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O, or at L-O underscore Padres on Twitter for recaps of the games and not recaps, I should say, like live tweets and memes, lots of memes. Uh, and also, feel free to check out the YouTube. Thank you for making Lockdown Potters your first listen every day. Free and available, of course, on all platforms, including the aforementioned YouTube. And today's show, guys, we are recapping, as always, for the Monday Pods. It's basically become a staple. Always recapping the weekend, some things we learned uh, from whatever weekend series it was. And last weekend was a little bit nice. We got to brag about the fact that the Brewers were were bozos. You know, we got to do that whole thing with the Jake Cronenworth uh, game-winning hits and all that stuff. But this week weekend, um, you know, a little bit of both against the Colorado Rockies. And it's funny because if you guys hadn't listened to the last episode of Lockdown Padres, talking with Paul Holden, the host of Lockdown Rockies, the Padres haven't had the best of record against the Rockies over the last year. Uh, they actually lost more games than beat them last year, and that was one of the reasons that the Padres collapsed is they were unable to beat, you know, middling teams like the Rockies. And I'm not trying to be, you know, super mean. The Rockies are actually, I think, personally, a tad bit better this year. I think that their offense is a little bit more interesting, a little bit more diverse with guys like Connor Joe, you know, just being that perfect sort of player that every team would want and certainly the type of player that the Padres would want. Uh, some good defense like Ryan McMahon, who made a great play, by the way, this weekend over at third base to snag a ball, you know, and some decent uh, other hitters around the lineup. You know what I mean? Like they have some stuff and that's all to say, even without Chris Bryant, like they do have uh, at least... They're not a pushover, I don't think, at least not yet in the early going of the season. But even still, uh, the Padres split the series against the Rockies, and it was kind of the way I would summarize this series is just yet again, like, this is what happens when the Padres, like, it's it's the ultimate two outcomes, where some games the offense just doesn't show up, and it's a mess, and then other games the offense shows up a decent amount, and the starting pitching carries, right? And that's usually been the formula for, for success against the Padres. I would have liked a series win here, um, but even still, a split isn't the worst thing in the world. The Padres have still been playing really, really good baseball, still standing at 37 and 24, um, and they had just beaten the Mets, right? One of the best teams in baseball. They just beat them out of the three and four, uh, th- two out of three uh, games, and then they beat the Brewers like last weekend, like I uh, alluded to, three out of four games. They did get swept by the Cardinals, which was annoying, but even still, especially with the upcoming slate of games, it's okay if you get a split, right? You have Chicago coming up for four, then you've got the Rockies again, and then you've got the D-backs for three. Then you've got the Phillies for four, and then Arizona for two before taking out the Dodgers uh, June 30th to close out the month. So it's okay if you split a series like this against the Rockies because you have some games upcoming against some poor-level teams. Right. So I'm not too worried about it, although there were certainly some things worth talking about that were worrisome this past weekend. Let's start with first yesterday's game. And that was the one that the Padres ended up losing instead of winning the series. They split it four to two in favor of the Rockies. Um, Just as much as I was praising him, uh, Jerickson profile with two strikeouts in this game, uh, some really poor at bats. He swung at one pitch that was really just like. 
Like, what are you doing? He actually ran into the Rockies pitcher, which was a little bit awkward. That was, it was just a weird, like, kind of collision almost, running to first base. I don't know. It was weird body language on that play. Um, so not much to report about uh, when it comes to the offensive end of things. Manny Machado, two for four. He's been excellent. Still probably the leading um, candidate for the MVP award. Not much to talk about there. Luke Voigt does hit a home run in this game, which is very nice. Voigt. He's shown a little bit more of that power stroke lately, which is really good. He hit a home run today, and he's also hit some doubles, uh, two doubles in this series. He had three RBIs as well. He's slowly feels like he's getting there, just a tad bit. I would like if he could cut down the strikeout rate just a tad uh, and start generating a few more walks. He's all of a sudden, ever since uh, the Milwaukee series, he hasn't really walked at all, including a couple four straight of one four strikeout game and then a three strikeout game. So I love if Voigt can get back to walking a little bit. That would be uh, greatly appreciated on the season. 227, 313, 383 slash line. Certainly not what we would have liked to see from Luke Voigt. We thought that we would get something similar, at least to what he did with the Yankees, where he was a power freak. 437 slugging and then 610 in 2020 and then 464 the year before that and then 689. Like he's had the slugging stuff before. Certainly the strikeout stuff, but he just has not been all that great. And one of the things that I think is worth mentioning about Voigt is that I talked about this where maybe sometimes we need to look into when trading with teams, like teams that have built a reputation that you need to take that into account when viewing a trade. Because I thought that the Padres really gave up barely anything for a guy that could hit potentially like, you know, 28, 30 home runs. And Maybe it was too good to believe, right? The Yankees aren't that silly of a team, even if they didn't need a first baseman necessarily because they re-signed Anthony Rizzo. Maybe we should have assumed, maybe they know a little something. And maybe they know Luke Voigt is not necessarily going to last and that the power stuff that he had displayed in the previous years, even though regular stats like WRC Plus and ISO and his overall walk and K rates and BABIP, all sorts of stuff, right? Suggested for us simpletons that are viewing and analyzing the sport that he would be a really solid get for this team. And I still think he was a good move, right? Considering that it's not like there was much out there that the Padres could get given their financial constraints, that they took a low ball flyer on Luke Foy. I still like the trade, but maybe this is, it was a little bit too good to be true, right? At least in the early going, maybe with the power he displayed this past you know, a few games, maybe something might be turning around, but even still, uh, we'll have to see as time goes on. Big thing in this game, Blake Snell, uh, six innings, two earned runs on six hits, walked two, struck out seven. His ERA on the year is 5.04. A lot of that being because he doesn't last long into games and say he only goes three and two thirds innings and gives up three runs. That's a 7.36 ERA. That's what happened in his first start. And I actually thought he looked pretty good in this game. The fastball was working. He generated seven whiffs on it to be exact. And, you know, Snell, when he's right, is quite, quite good, I think, when he's right. And obviously people talk about the World Series game and what have you. But even still, uh, Blake Snell, we need a little bit more from the guy. We need a little bit more. And at least he did go six innings in this game. It's a shame that his best star of the season also coincided with Colorado Rockies pitcher Herman Martin. Herman Marquez, who had his best start of the season for the Rockies. Seven innings, two earned runs on six hits, no walks, six Ks. He has a 6.09 ERA, which is which says even more because it's not like he hasn't pitched at all uh, and whatnot. He's been disastrous for the Rockies basically all year. But, of course, the Padres helped out and gave him his first start of the season. And Marquez, don't get me wrong, Marquez has been a very good pitcher before. And uh, that the Coors Field stuff has bloated some of his ERA things. He's got some really good slinking stuff for sure. But 
he's been really bad this year. So it was unfortunate to see that the Padres were the team that he got right against, right? You could go to my theory that people are just due for positive or negative, right? In this case, Marquez was just due for a good start considering his talent. But even still, over the past year we've seen, maybe it's not just Coors Field with with Herman Marquez. But nonetheless, uh, the big RBIs in this game for the Rockies, I mean, it's just unfortunate, really. Um, in this game, Ryan McMahon being the big one in RBI double in this game, Grichik, Jose Iglesias, not even any of the players I alluded to at the top of the podcast being the big reason for this. And then Daniel Bard, a one, two, three, three strikeout ninth. Very cool story with Daniel Bard coming back into the league. I will say, did he win comeback player of the year? I think he did, right? In 2020? I think he did in 2020 because he was very solid. Last year he faltered a little bit, but this year he's been an excellent closer for the Rockies. Kind of the lone bright spot in their bullpen. Nonetheless, disappointing game for the Padres. Um, It was nice to see a Luke Voigt home run. And yeah, this is just what's going to happen sometimes, right? Uh, But before we talk about the rest of the games of the series, which certainly had a lot to talk about, including Mackenzie Gore's start that we definitely have to address... Let me talk to you guys really quickly about something that gives you a boost to start your day. All right. Use it literally every day. I started taking athletic greens because, you know, you know, I want to make sure I feel a little bit healthy. Immune system stuff. You know, my tummy can be a little bit weird. And I didn't want to necessarily go the only, you know, vitamins and pills route. And I wanted a supplement that actually tastes great. And I want to see what the hype was about with athletic greens, man. And what is it? Well, with one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to start your day right. That's right. That's another thing. It just just makes you feel good to start the day, and that's what I like about it. It's lifestyle-friendly, whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free. Contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals, or artificial anything, while still tasting good it's awesome guys it's really awesome stuff and because you're listening to this podcast there's no need you don't have to wait you want your convenient stuff you gotta you gotta go check it out man you gotta go check it out to make it easy as well because you guys listen to this podcast athletic greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune supporting vitamin d and five free travel packs with your first purchase all you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash mlb network Remember, that is athleticgreens.com slash MLB Network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right, guys, let's continue talking. Let's continue talking. And thank you again for making Lockdown Padres your first listen every day, free and available on platforms. I got to get that out of the way. You guys know what I do. Let's talk about the Saturday games really quickly. Let's start with... um, Let's see here. You know, you guys know I like to end on a positive note, so let's talk about that Mackenzie Gore game. The 10 o'clock start for me on East Coast time, and it was easily Mackenzie Gore's worst start of the season. I had talked about in my last episode, I literally grabbed the camera, if you're watching on YouTube, and I stared into it, and I called everybody cowards for abandoning their hype on Mackenzie Gore, and just, in some cases, some cases, leaving him off of their top 100 prospects entirely. And then the following episode... Uh, the following start, I should say, following that episode and that outburst, uh, he goes two and a thirds innings, giving up six earned runs on five hits, four walks, which is the big key here, and three strikeouts over 63 pitches. So, big thing is the walks. And that's what I saw here. There was a point in which early on in the game, Gore walked, if I'm not mistaken, let's see here. He walked how many straight batters? Let's see. It was a Brendan Rodgers double. 
No, it was a CJ Crone single that allowed Brandon Rogers to score. Then then he walked. Still, no, 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 no. I'm sorry. It was the top of the second inning. There was a lot of walks. Um, Garrett Hampson, uh, Elias Diaz, and then Connor Joe. He walked in a run. So it was three straight walks to allow a run after a single by Jonathan Daza. I probably should have looked that up before. But basically what happened and what I saw in this game is that couldn't quite locate the fastball. Um, and that's been one thing with Gore, and that's, in fairness, one of the reasons that he started falling off a little bit in the hype sort of circles and for prospect analysts and whatnot, is that the control can sometimes be a little bit of a problem for him. And one of the things this year is that Gore, on those corners and the top left, top right corner, just top level pitches, he's really located and elevated that fastball effectively, at least from what I've seen. And that's what's made it so good. On top of the velo being really solid and improving, you know, 97, even touching 98 sometimes, the fastball has a movement sharp, and then it hits that top corner. And that's been what's good, and he just wasn't fine in the zone this time, right? And the Rockies, in fairness, when it comes to some of the more traditional batting stats, they're not that bad as a team. In batting average, they're actually second in baseball, and on base percentage, they're eighth, and in runs, they're 10th. It's just that in the slugging department, in home runs, home runs are 22nd, slugging 18th, right? And then their pitching, obviously, has been abysmal. But like when it comes to just generating walks and having good plate discipline, the Rockies actually aren't too bad of a team. So this was the type of team that, in order to just maybe take advantage of Mackenzie Gore's uh, propensity to walk batters, or at, at least... Maybe not necessarily something we've seen this year, but just in the minor leagues and whatnot, that's what happens. And bottom line, and I tweeted this as well from the Lockdown Padres account, is just, I'm not worried about it. He was due. He had a 1.5 ERA heading into this start. He leaves with a 2.5. So don't get me wrong. I wish it could have could have been a less uh, disastrous, oh my God, he's due type of game. But nonetheless, I'm just not worried. 2.5 ERA, this is still a rookie pitcher. And even still, it's not like, they were hitting absolute line drive bombs off of him, right? There were some singles. They did have a double. You know, they do have some, like I said, they have some decent hitters in that lineup. But most of it was just him walking batters, just not able to locate his his fastball, especially in those corners. And the off-speed stuff certainly wasn't working either. So it happens. He's a rookie. Starts like this are going to happen. And again, I'm just not worried about it. Someone actually replied to the tweet of mine being like, well, he's due isn't a good justification for like him stinking bottom line is he gets paid uh to not stink and that's what he's done it's like well yeah okay cool and uh you know what's his face goes out here if if Corbin Burns goes out here and gives up five runs against the Padres you're not like oh my god Corbin Burns you stink now you know it's, it's baseball it just happens right so again not worried about Mackenzie Gore whatsoever the offense was a little bit more questionable I'd say in this game because for the Rockies it was Mr. Kyle Freeland who is very much kind of this journeying whatever pitcher who can hang around in the major leagues for a while but he wasn't that good this year and he delivered uh, for the Rockies six innings two earned runs only three hits and the Rockies of course you know hit the Padres pretty good in this game, and the Padres couldn't hit well, um, which was unfortunate. Jerickson Profar, seemingly right after I got excited about him, slowed down a little bit. Machado had a poor game here. Luke Voigt was actually one of the lone bright spots. He does get an RBI uh, double in this game, which was nice. Hassan Kim, not much. Austin Nola, the line driving out king. Trent Grisham not doing much. Just the offense just didn't pick up for the fact that Gore had his first bad start. So not worried about him, but nonetheless, it's worth talking about. Um, and then the previous game, the Padres uh, won, and it was a really fun one, guys. This one was started 
by the guy who I really do not think has been getting enough credit. They won. It was a doubleheader on Saturday. They won this game by a score of 2-1. to one. That's right. It was actually a pretty boring game, and a lot of reason for that is, again, the Padres' offense. Uh, Nick Martinez in this game actually gets the start. Five and two-thirds innings, one earned run on five hits. He walked three, and he struck out nine. That's right. He was carving up batters at some point. He was showing that fire in him that I like. I've talked about. Throughout the course of the season, and a big part of this is that changeup, that Martinez, I absolutely changed my horn uh, about a month into the season where I was just like, you know what, being too harsh, there are other pitchers I would have preferred as back-end rotation guys, like your Cobb, like your Tyler Anderson, right? Some guys like that, Alex Wood, which I would have been definitely wrong about. But nonetheless, as a back-of-the-rotation guy who can give you innings and occasionally be that piggyback option for your Mike Clevenger, who's been on and off the IL, right? And a Blake Snell, who's also been on and off the IL and also had some issues with innings, right? As a piggyback option and as a back-of-the-rotation guy, I think Nick Martinez has been solid. 3.74 ERA, 1.39 whip, which isn't great. A lot of that being, you know, just consistently walking uh, three, four batters sometimes per game, which isn't great. Uh, has, has had plenty of those, including some five-walk outings, too. So he does struggle a little bit with with issuing free passes, but nonetheless, again, for what the expectations are, what the role is, I think Nick Martinez has been great. And considering it was a 2-1 game, excellent outing from the bullpen. Nabil Krizmat, a borderline all-star for the Padres this year, 1.59 ERA that this man has, or 1.53 ERA, I should say, on the year for him. And then Luis Garcia, he wiggles out a little bit of trouble, and then Taylor Rodgers, um, holding things down, and then Stephen Wilson actually gets the win. Stephen Wilson, who's been a little bit of the bane of my existence uh, for just being up and down uh, this year. Um, so love to see that, and it was Trent Grisham who actually had the big tying home run in this game, and that was the bottom of the third. Love to see that from him. He's been hitting for more power lately, which I like. He only had like one home run for the first to be honest, what feels like since 2021. He had like one home run and he's had a lot more lately. It seems he's at least having that positive regression to being a major average major league at bat or at least not below 200. Eventually he's going to get above that Mendoza line. Um, but nonetheless, still not great for Grisham. The big thing in this game though, in extra innings, Manny Machado, man, it's got to be talked about um, against, what's his face? Uh, Carlos Estevez pitching. Uh, Luke Voigt actually strikes out, which was annoying. And then Sergio Alcantara. Uh, it was a it was a weird play. Uh, it's a, it's basically there was a wild pitch that occurred here. There was a wild pitch that occurred, and then Manny, being the guy that he is, runs to third, hustling. Dare I say, hustling to third, and then is a poor throw by Elias Diaz, which goes by the third baseman, and then Manny keeps running and scores. A wild way to walk it off. It was really funny seeing Alfaro tackling <laughs> Manny Machado at home plate uh, and just, like, being on top of him. It was so funny uh, just seeing them all jazzed over. What a, what a wild and crazy way uh, to win the game, and I'm glad it was for the Padres' sake because if this was against the Padres, this would be the classic, oh, my God, I... Uh, the drive me to drink, you know what I mean, type of game, right, where you were just upset uh, seeing that type of game end that way, but uh, it was good news for the Padres. Machado, look, it's easy for me to do the thing where I log on here and I say, oh, I thought he wasn't the hustle guy. I've done that before, and I've talked about that narrative a lot 
over the years, right? And I think that the narrative of being a dirty player is actually earned to a degree. Uh, I actually do believe that. That's totally, I get when, why people feel that way, um, that Machado can be a little bit of a jerk based on his past history, right? Even though not necessarily have been showing that as much as a Padre. But when it comes to the hustle thing, I've never liked that because when you're hitting the ball as hard as he does, when you're hitting 130 mile per hour ground balls to Francisco Lindor or whatever, like these great National League shortstops who are great defensive players or even their third baseman, I'm not upset if he's not running full speed, one for all, Zuku Midoriya, you know, running supersonic speed to first base. Right. I like the fact that in the moments that count like this, he's aware he makes good base running decisions. He runs the home plate. He gets there and he didn't have to try and steal third, by the way. He didn't have to do that. Right. Even if it was a little bit of a wild pitch that got away from the catcher, he didn't have to do that. The alleged no hustle guy. Right. But he does. And then he steals third, which ends up leading to uh, and I don't think they were going to get him anyway, even if the, the throw was on point. Which ends up leading to the game-winning run here. And the other thing, on top of those smoked ground balls and all that stuff, he plays like every game. He's one of the most, uh, in terms of just games played, basically since the Padres signed him. He's been, honestly, even before that, just one of the players that's always available. It's a very similar narrative to Robinson Cano, who actually, by the way, news, the Padres uh, signed him to a minor league contract over the weekend. Um whatever uh, you know what I mean uh, it was a, it was a storyline with him among New York media folk uh, that he didn't hustle out every play and my thing was like he's always there though and he's been a great player so I've never understood that but once again the nail in the coffin for all the no hustle Manny Machado naysayers but before we conclude today's podcast guys with even more fun stuff and fun talk let us talk about a very special thing a very special thing and that's betting that's right, guys. If you want to make your bets for, say, potential future Cy Young candidate, who we're going to be talking about in a second, Joe Musgrove, uh, Bet Online, guys, is your number one source for all your betting stats and sports info. Don't worry, they don't care about the the no hustle narrative. They've got the odds on Manny Machado's MVP case and Mackenzie Gore's Rookie of the Year case. They've got all of that, as well as this year's basketball finals championship matchup, the NHL Hockey Conference Finals, and of course all the latest fighting news from the MMA. UFC, boxing, whatever you're into, they got you. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to sign up and learn more about the trends and action. Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, I teased it. Let's talk about that man. Let's talk about that man. Oh, yeah, that's right. Cotton Eye Joe Musgrove, everybody. Friday's game between the Padres and Rockies. We talked about the games that the Padres lost and then the fun win with May Machado running at home. This was just a great Friday night game, let me tell you. 9-0 win for your San Diego Padres. And the big hits in this game, Manny Machado hitting a home run in this game. That was lovely. Uh, a 2 for 4 night for him, actually, uh, as well as a walk, which was nice. Of course, that walk rate, always love that. The walk and strikeout rate, almost better than any power-hitting player in baseball. He's been awesome there. Profar, one for four with a triple in this game and a walk. Again, he's been good. It's just that those last two games, he didn't you know, necessarily have the best at-bats. Um, you even got a double from Luke Voigt in this game. Nomar Mazzara, a three-hit game for Nomar Mazzara. Really quickly, just want to mention, and... You know, with Mazzara, or I think I've already mentioned this on previous episodes, but with Mazzara, I clearly do not think that this is the future right fielder for the San Diego Padres. I 
do not believe that whatsoever. But I do think that as a fill-in option until potentially the deadline or whenever the heck Will Myers gets back, I actually really like it. He had been doing well in the minor leagues uh, in AAA, and he's a guy that has showed power before with the Texas Rangers. He had three straight seasons of 20 home runs, so he's got a little bit, and I actually like him, like I said, as a fill-in guy. Currently uh, batting 333 for the Padres. Granted, small sample size, 357 on base, just nine games. But again, as a fill-in guy, I actually think that this isn't too bad. But um, so that was a nice game for him. A three-hit game for Hassan Kim as well, which is a little bit rare. Uh, a double from him and a walk, which was very, very nice. Trent Grisham gets in a little bit on the action. A two-hit game for Austin Nola. And then that's basically it in terms of the offense, if I'm not mistaken. Let me talk about really quickly. The one uh, negative uh, of this game, and that is <sighs> the first baseman, who I haven't talked about in a while because, to be honest with you, there's no reason to talk about him. And some people, they were tweeting at me, hey, you got to bring his name back. He's been great. To that, I said, well, it's literally working, this this uh, this spell of mine of not saying his name on the podcast and calling him the ground ball gremlin and he who must not be named. It's literally been working for the first half of the season, Right. The Padres' first baseman was awesome to start the year. Specifically, let me give you his splits. Hold on if I can find it real quickly. Uh, can I find it? He hit 389, 457, 597. That was his slash line for the month of April. And then he had a decline and whatnot. And over his last 21 games, his last 21 games, he's hitting 190, 244, 228. That's right, he's slugging 228. I... What do you guys want from me? This is why I was not ready to buy in on a big first season or first month of the season. He was still hitting the ball plenty on the ground and certainly not hitting the ball in the air enough. Right? Because don't get me wrong, Manny Machado can hit the ball on the ground, but he also hits it in the air quite a lot to offset that. Uh, With this guy who does not necessarily have a whole lot of speed, uh, I did not think that this luck was going to last forever. Don't get me wrong, there were some signs he tweaked his batting stance a tad bit, and he was hitting better against lefties. And I was hoping this could be a two-and-a-half, two-war kind of player, which is still much below for what he's doing to this team actively with that salary. But nonetheless, I was hoping that, and as of right now, he's been he's been bad. And I'm not surprised whatsoever. This is what happens, and yeah. I mean, what else do you want me to say? Those last 21 games. It's like he saw how well he was doing, And everybody who was like, yeah, he's going to regress, he's like, I need to make sure I prove those people right. Like, I I can't just be like, oh, I'm going to hit 250 with a 330 on base, right, over my last 21 games. No, 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 no. I'm going to be like one of the worst first basemen in baseball again, just in case people forgot. But anyway, ladies and gentlemen, enough about that, man. Let's talk about Mr. Cotton Eye Joe, Joe Musgrove. Woo! Oh, daddy-o. Oh, daddy-o. Oh, man. Six innings, zero earned runs, only four hits, two walks, eight strikeouts, lowering somehow his ERA from 1.64 to 1.5 as it currently stands. The lowest ERA among all starting pitchers in baseball. I warned y'all. I told you. I told you this guy was legit. And in fairness... You know, I actually just wrote for just baseball. I don't know if the article will be out by the time, um, by the time you guys see this. But um, you know, there is, <laughs> you know that that tweet that's basically like, "Hey, 
uh, I, I, people are always just making up stuff and they're like, I was told Steph Curry wasn't a good shooter. And it's like, no one has ever said that. There aren't really, there weren't really any naysayers for Joe Musgrove, but even still, uh, it is a little bit surprising. I mean, um, Sandy Alcantara and probably, um, what's his name? Corbin Burns are the only other people that have been as good in the national league as Joe Musgrove this year. All of his off-speed stuff is working. He's his fastball hitters are not hitting nearly as much as usual. They're only hitting around 250 against it. So that's been a big part of why he's been great. And the big part of why his fastball is so good is because of the spin rates and stuff to make up for the fact that it isn't necessarily, you know, he's not throwing Garrett Cole fastballs or anything like that, right? Like he's not throwing or even Mackenzie Gore fastballs, right? But he's been excellent this season, and I know what everyone's thinking, and that's, you know, can the Padres extend him? That's the real question, right? He's going to be clearly, I think clearly, unless you buy into, say, Nate Evaldi or Martin Perez, right, of the Texas Rangers, that he's probably going to be the most highly sought after starting pitcher after the season's end, uh, unless somebody else randomly emerges. Because Musgrove, and if someone else does randomly emerge, they won't have the same sample size, right? Joe Musgrove since 2020, um, even though 2020 was his highest strikeout rate, uh, but ever since then, he's shown signs of being a revamped pitcher. Because he literally reworked his set. And he's so consistent. And yes, I know quality starts aren't the best thing in the league to judge by. But just in terms of knowing what you're getting. For this Padres team that's had a bullpen that struggled. I do think that that means something. And those quality starts aren't like six innings, three runs every time. No, it's six innings and the most runs he's allowing is two. That's it. And you're lucky to get you're lucky to get two. Like, that's how you're lucky to get one, and the most he's allowed is two. He's been excellent, and yes, he'll walk a few batters every now and then. He's not quite getting those 10 strikeout consecutive games and whatnot, but it doesn't matter. The guy's been an absolute beast and has been so-so. I mean, his value next to Machado has been just, it cannot be emphasized enough. And um, I'm going to do an entire episode probably talking about uh, my article for Just Baseball, which might be out by time. Again, you guys are listening to this. Uh, Probably going to do a whole episode on that. Uh, just to break that down, because it's just, it has, it must be discussed, ladies and gentlemen, right? It has to be discussed. It has to be. It has to be. Um, it has to be discussed what that contract extension could look like, whether or not they should give the contract extension, because I know fans are certainly all in, and I'm all in on this season. He's been fantastic. A true contract year specimen, let me tell you, Joe Musgrove. Um, I wish that the Padres first baseman could play up to these levels. And I've mentioned on the show before that I think it's a little troubling how much the team and players have been so openly against the idea of trading him because it just shows that there's a disconnect between the front office and the players because the Padres first baseman among qualified players has been one of the worst by F4, by slugging, by overall value in Major League Baseball. Forget the contract, just in general, even without the contract. He hasn't been effective. So it's interesting that I can understand defending him, like maybe behind the scenes and being like, we don't want to lose him and whatnot. But being so open about it does come off sometimes as a little bit of a slap to the fans, uh, slap in the face to the fans who are following the team. And don't get me wrong, fans can be obnoxious. And I get why players, if they said, I want to slap them in the face, I would get that if they did say that. For the record, I would understand that fans can be ridiculous. Um, But I would say... In this case, that's just a little bit of a weird vibe for me, right? Machado being like, I'm not going to be a happy camper if he's traded. It's like, I get that. I get if he's a cool dude and I get if if he's a great locker room experience guy and all that stuff. I do value that. But when you consider his value and how many years his value hasn't been there, 
you're openly defending this guy that much, that's a little bit worrisome. So we'll see how that transpires in the future and whatnot. We're going to see what they do at the deadline and certainly what they're going to be doing at the deadline, guys. Tomorrow's episode, I am talking with my buddy Arm Layton about the Padres' farm system and how it's sneaky gotten a little bit better in his eyes, as well as a potential mock trade for an outfielder that you're not going to want to miss. So a little bit, the first taste of mock trades and trade deadline rumors on this year Lockdown Padres podcast that you guys can expect. Wednesday's episode, probably going to fill out my all-star ballot. Uh, I think that that'll be a fun one. Probably going to fill out my all-star ballot uh, for uh, the National League and the American League, but mostly the National League will be what we discuss. Um, You can bet your butt uh, Mr. Joe Musgrove and Manny Machado are going to be there. But to talk about everybody else, that should be a lot of fun. And then also going to be recapping the Cubs series. Don't get me wrong. That will probably be Friday's podcast, I think. And then going to be doing a show on Joe Musgrove's contact extension. So a lot of fun stuff upcoming for this show, guys, as I just outlined there for you. Look forward to it. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. And I hope you enjoy it. And with all that being said, that about does it for today's edition of the Lockdown Padres podcast, the only pot that may be better than the Padres themselves. Remember to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast from. Follow me on Twitter at Javapeno, J-A-V-I-I-P-N-O. And until next time, Stay safe and, of course, stay faithful. My fire faithful homies, take care.